This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast, Rog. Your weekly remote cuddle from yeah. Ranch and Dabo. Ranch and Dabo. Oh, we pod the day after. Darkness descended upon London, mm. crude, senseless carnage unleashed on the heart of the city. Mm. City that's seen off the Blitz, seen off Jose Mourinho, and will see off worse, right, Davey? Yeah, evil never wins. It's one, the one thing you and I disagree on. Both agree on. on. Oh, no, I'm not sure. I say evil never wins. You say evil always wins. <sighs> I think evil never wins. And, uh, you know, they sit at the heart of government, the city of Westminster, Rog, not the city of London. City within a city, wheels within wheels. Yeah, it was uh, just terrible. We uh, mourn for the victims. Victims from all over the world, Rog. Uh, people affected by this by this attack, including an American, <laughs> uh, some French kids. Just awful, awful stuff. And to all our London GFOPs, to all GFOPs, yep. to all Londoners, we wish you Godspeed and courage at times like this. I always think of the Larkin poem, The Mower. We should be careful of each other. We should be kind while there is still time. Yeah. Got to make the most of it, Dave. Very true. Talking of making the most of it, Rog, we're just back from Seattle. Bonkers. Yeah. What a bonkers blast we had last Thursday night. Yeah. Couple of drinks. Mm-hmm. Like to think we, uh, we drank responsibly. Yeah. Couple meaning seven or eight. A sold out show at the legendary Showbox. Beautiful, beautiful theatre. Yeah, it's a great location. Jordan Morris taking the stage with his dog, Minnie. Yeah. Megan Rapino uh-huh. announcing a run for president in 2020. Mm, yeah, did she announce it or did we announce it for her? I don't know, but they've been using that Russian stuff as a, a way to try and yeah. smother her glory. Yeah. Clint Dempsey yeah. donning the hallowed camo blazer of glory. Yeah, fit him so well. It did when he put it on. I couldn't see him. He was just like a floating head there upon the stage. Your highlight, though, Sir Mix-a-Lot, I right? I thought you going to say Stephen Fry announcing his run for mayor. <laughs> he was great, by the way. Um, yeah, uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot, Rog. That's a, that's a phew, tick that one off my bucket list. The origin story of Baby Got Back. Very so, interesting su- stuff. Such a hero of ours. I always wondered if he was related to Mix Discarude or Ronnie Lott. Mm. What a life, though, to have created an epic cornerstone of culture. Baby Got Back. We talked about it. It's to music what James Joyce's Ulysses is to literature. Similar. James Joyce wanted to play our Seattle show. Yeah. But we said no. We no. gave Sir Mix the nod. Yeah, we gave him the uh, anchor position. And the night ended at Kells Pub Wash with Guinness. Yeah. Why should the night in Seattle be any different to a night in New York City, Davey? Very true. GFOPs. Actually, it all started in our dressing room, the mania, an hour before the night kicked off. When you leant over to me, Davey, you tapped me on the shoulder and you said... I'm going to be trying out a new character tonight, Rog. You said I've been workshopping him. I said, who? Yeah. And you said? Pesco. (laughs) (laughs) Rog gets a little bit nervous before these shows. And I don't blame you. Yeah. Because if I was essentially producing these shows and and I showed up where I haven't focused, I had no idea who was on the show. I had no idea what we were doing. Wasn't even sure exactly what city in the Northwest we were in. Portland. He yeah. was excited. I thought the whole time I thought we were in Portland. Yeah. And I show up and I have no idea. <laughs> and so you're sort of on edge because you know that there's a... And I could see you handed me my cards. I had, uh, by the way, I, had, I was in a mood where I had what you call in Liverpool, turtle head. Yeah. Where you, you're only just keeping it all in. Yeah, I've got I, turtle head. I think there were 51 cards. That would be a tight script for you, Roger. Yeah. 
51 cards we yep. had to get through. JW had typewritten all of it. And uh, I was, uh, and I just, I, just, I just felt it was a great moment to tell you that I was going to be trying out a new character tonight. And you sort of paused for a bit and looked like, oh my God, what a nightmare. Yeah. And then you started laughing because no, you I enjoyed said to it. He goes, I've, I've been workshopping him. I've been workshopping Pesco in a couple of, uh, in a couple of comedies, in, just in the valley, not in the yeah. city proper. Yeah. I was like, what is Pesco, David? At the ice house in Pasadena. He said, Pesco is a late, he's in his late 60s. Yeah. He's a doctor. Yeah. He got his medical license at the University of St. Kitts and Nevis. Yeah. Mostly so he can give himself painkiller <laughs> prescriptions. I was like, what? Yeah. And then David looked at me and goes, he's single and he lives with cats. It's David who's <laughs> alter ego it in is. Pesco. It is. It's not unlike Chuck Blazer, Rog. He's a little bit Chuck Blazer, <laughs> Pesco. He said he's got a very funny voice. He's Pesco. Hey, what are you? Hey, 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 hey how you doing, Pesco? <sighs> so David Pesco'd it through yeah. the whole show. It worked. I didn't actually. I never did Pesco. I no. referred to it during the show. You were more Dabo. You were more your, more your alter ego, Dabo. Dabo. God, we had a blast. Thank you, Seattle. I'd never been to you before. I would love to go again. We went to Azelle's. Yeah. Lexi went for the spicy wings. Yeah. I think she paid the iron price. Uh-huh. Went to Elliot Bay Books. Oh, and the burgers and shakes at Dick's with which we wrapped up the evening. One thing, Seattle, bit of constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. Tables. Tables. Both Azelle's and Dick's. Yeah. No tables. Mm. They like to eat standing up a lot in Seattle, mm. David. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I noticed that. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand. Actually, J.W. Lexi and I, we descended upon Pipe Place Fish Market. I caught a fish, David. Yeah, when you say caught a fish, a fish was thrown at you and you caught it. A high velocity. I've got just yeah. to set the scene. It's on our Instagram, I think, right, J-Dubs? One of the, the fishmongers, they throw fish traditionally around the market. I'm not entirely sure why. Still not got to the bottom of this. It's an incredible tourist trap. They just fling these enormous fish. The, let me say, these are the kind of fish that Clint Dempsey uh, catches and doesn't throw back, just to describe how enormous these fish are. And JW and Lexi, I've never seen them so excited. They, they behind my back, worked out how I would participate. They essentially throw an enormous sea bass over the counter from about 30 yards away, with hundreds of, like, gawping tourists watching. And, and this enormous fish, this enormous fish, I'm not too big to admit it, <laughs> my pants as that fish came towards me at high velocity. Yeah. Catches on our Instagram. Yeah. I don't like to boast. Yeah but it's been hailed as the fish-catching equivalent of David Tyree's grab in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. In the fish-catching world, David. Yeah. And I know a lot of you... There was a lot of bants from uh, yeah, the fish a lot of as he was on his way fish. over. Oh, I'm dead. Catch <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> I won't feel it if you drop me because the fish yeah. is... I think he was dead. Mm-hmm. To be candid, I just flung it back the other way. It come very quickly. I know a lot of you don't listen to us. Spare your tweets. Don't get angry. You don't listen to us for fish-catching. You want us to stick to politics. But... If you do want more fish catching stories, listen to our other pod, Trout Catching Today. But in fish catching circles, my catch, it's known simply now as Hippo the catch. loves that pod. Do want, oh, Hippo, he loves it. He's yeah. my special guest. Yeah. It's called in again yeah. from Kirby outside yeah. of Liverpool where he's fishing in a chemical pond in his waders. It's, it's Hippo. Hippo. <laughs> <laughs> it is, though. That is the catch. Look at it on Instagram. It's Dwight mm. Clark style fish catching with Rog. <sighs> There you are. Yeah, thank you, GFOPs. It's great to see you all. Thank you for being kind. Hey, My new assistant, uh, Francesca, came up with us. The Murano. She did come up. The Murano She's came up from LA. Talented. Uh, a fine graduate of the University of Edinburgh. 
uh, my alma mater. Oh, uh, the pear tree. She's, she, she, she got to, absolutely, the pear tree. She got to experience the whole uh, Men in Blazers world for the first time. She was very surprised, and she actually rather, she's very posh, Francesca. Yes, she And is. when I said, I said, we're, we're, we're very near, Va- I become a little posher around her. I'd be like, we're very near Vancouver. And she'd be like, really? Really? She had no idea of American geography, even though her mother is American, hence her ability to work in the United States. No idea whatsoever how close Seattle was to the Canadian border. Yep, and she's now in deep post-traumatic therapy this week yeah, after engaging true. in the Men in Blazers world. And we yep. wish you a speedy recovery, Absolutely. Francesca. We've okay. got one more show fast upcoming, David. Yeah, we've me got a it. live show April 5th, New York City. Oh, I'm getting off the red eye for that one. It's the fourth annual night of the Golden Blazer Rush, dum, as dum, opposed dum, to dum. the night... Of the camo blazer, which we're only doing once every 50 years. We are. Um, that, one's, that one's sponsored by Field Stream and Hunter magazine. This yeah. one, the golden blazer. Yeah. Coveted, vaunted. Yeah. Very true. Who's going to win it this year? Well, the winner of this is one of the most beloved human bipeds in American soccer, Rog. She, she uh, really is. Not, she if he. not world soccer. If there is life on other planets, it could actually be the most beloved human biped on those planets Undoubtedly. too. And we've just released three additional tickets. Yep. Yes, Rog. You heard me right. We have released three whole additional tickets. Yeah. Uh, more information is on our website, how you can get hold of those. There are GFOPs coming in from Dubai. There is. Rog, there really a is. madman, Adam Kirchner, is just flying in for our crap. We can't wait to see it's each astonishing, and every mate. one of you. Oh, can we just thank GFOP John Johnson? Yeah. Tony Award winner. Yeah. I'm sure he's won Emmys. Yeah. Has he won Oscars, David? Um, nope. He's an amazingly accomplished Broadway theatre veteran. Yeah. Somehow, for some reason, we don't quite understand Sully's himself producing our crap. Yeah, he listens to our show and he's a Chelsea fan. Yeah. Yeah, when I'm with him, I try and just uh, yeah, you repress try and forget, that. Even though he's constantly wearing his Chelsea lapel pin. He's about to launch Hello Dolly. Yeah. With Bette Midler yeah. on one hand. Uh-huh. And then he's sullying himself with our golden blazer with the other. Yeah. Life. Uh, one more note before we pod. Yeah. We at Men in Blazers, I'm actually incredibly excited about this. We are poised to launch. What I, I don't like to be hyperbolic, do I, David? No, never. I've never heard you be hyperbolic, Roger. We're about to launch an important cultural center of learning. Mm-hmm. The Men in Blazers, People's History of American Soccer Hall of Fame. Soccer. Insert eagle cry here. Mm. In honor of the U.S. returning to era's past by going back to the future with Bruce Arena 2.0. Yeah. Our minds, our hearts, they've returned to, let's just say, more formative days in U.S. soccer history yeah. when the Miolas, Hayjucks, Popes and Balboas yeah, charged out. when qualification was not insured. <laughs> no, when it was guaranteed in yeah. those days, the good old days, when they'd run out to play the game with mullets wafting and a furious wonder, a time in which everything felt naively possible. And the idea for this project came when the amazing producer J-Dubs brought back to the panic room a poster that had once hung over his childhood bed an Alexi Lalas Adidas promotional ad featuring a younger of age, longer of hair Lalas in his footballing prime doing mm. keepy uppies. Longer of ginge. J-Dubs aren't, I believe, have procured it uh, at a Lalas signing in New Brunswick, New Jersey in the early 90s. What? There were Lalas signings? Yeah, it was just... It was, it was just Lalas. It and was, they were called the Lalas signings. It was Is La- that how they were marketed? Well, I think that's what you call... The Lalas Lala, signings. Lalas running into J-Dubs on in a mall yeah. in New Brunswick. <laughs> yeah, and saying, it's called a Lalas signing. Would you like an enormous promotional mm. poster of me? Yeah, it's like a Netflix series, the Lalas signings. And J-Dubs aren't just thought that she'd met the bass player from Striper mm. or Spider or yeah. some band and was like, yeah! And Alexi bent over with a Sharpie and wrote to J-Dubs the deep wisdom. Kick hard is yeah. how he signed it. Yeah. Kick hard. It didn't necessarily mean the ball. No, I don't know. 
And we'd hung, <laughs> we'd hung the poster. By the way, which, as I've heard about JW's uh, rec league uh, action, I think he took that fairly to heart. <sighs> I've heard he's a killer. He just runs around looking for vengeance he's constantly got, around the pitch. JW's, for those who've met him, he's got the head of David Silver yeah. with Eden Hazard's buttocks. Yeah, and it's an amazing. Yeah. it's an, an Andy Carroll's legs. Yeah. It's an amazing. And Lee Catamol's thirst for vengeance. He's like he's like a centaur, half man, yeah. half beast. Anyway, he brought this poster in. We've hung it in our new office, mm-hmm. and we've just marvelled at it ever since. Every time I stare at this amazing jewel, yeah, it asks two obvious questions of me, David. Yeah, number one. Yeah, why isn't this poster hanging in its rightful place in the Smithsonian? Okay, number two. What other ephemera from the pioneering days of US soccer, the posters, T-shirts, pennants, glassware, promotional crap, is just out there lurking in your attic, listener, your finished basement? And what would it look like if we brought it all together in one place to create a national exhibit which would showcase each soccer sports of the future pennant, each 1990 US World Cup poster, each Pele soccer Atari game for what they are, breadcrumbs, which allow us to retrace America's national soccer journey, the story of who we are and how we got here. So accepting that the Smithsonian aren't going to take this crap, Rog, yes. what you're suggesting is, is, is you are building, what's that movie where they go and build a zoo? You are going, you're basically going to build a museum. Yeah, but like, I'd be like a slightly much less better looking Matt Damon. So I haven't, I haven't launched my pub yet. Yeah. But we're going to launch a museum. Yeah. Okay. We are going to launch a museum. It's, it's like it's like folk art, is what you're saying. This is almost <sighs> like the people's history of soccer. Exactly. It's I'm going like to Howard Zinn. I'm going to create a huge Finnish basement for the next World Cup, where it'll just be covered in the tiny ephemeras. I mean, J Dub's got me for Christmas yeah. slash Hanukkah. He got me a gorgeous striker of the World Cup pup, 1994, the official World Cup tie. Yeah. It's beautiful. I don't wear it because it's not Thomas Pink, uh-huh. but it's quite gorgeous. Yeah. Just every tiny detail. If we just amass it all on loan, we'll give you back a patch. Dave, you got the details. Yeah, I've got it. Our goal is to challenge you, dear GFOPs. If you have such artifacts, US footballing treasures from World Cup oh. 1994, from the NASL, from the indoor soccer Cosmos. leagues, from uh, early MLS, oh. from the men's the or women's game, which you once loved but no longer want, send us those nuggets. And we will make them part of this collection. The, uh, the It's going to be the Davonian, Rog, we're going to call it. <laughs> a People's History of American Soccer Hall of Fame, which we will curate and tend to in the crap part of Soho. Oh, we're oh. building it here. Yeah. I've got, to le- I've got to lease more space, Rog. We're building a childhood bedroom's worth of national footballing, soccering memory. Send us your object and a letter describing what it is and how you came across it or any funny stories you have about it. And we will send you back a patch in return. Send them to Men in Blazers, care of Embassy Row, 325 Hudson Street, 7th floor, New York, New York 10013. That's to Men in Blazers, care of Embassy Row, 325 Hudson Street, 7th floor, New York, New York 10013. We know this is bonkers. Yet there's little in the world which feels more important to us right now. So, courage. It also could end up in the pub. That's the very important thing. Okay, we've got a pack show. We're going to relive a top four battle between beanie-wearing Spanish sophisticate Pep Guardiola. Way too many zips, though. And baseball cap-clad gregarious German Jurgen Klopp that left City and Liverpool knotted at one. We are forced to revisit what's becoming a weekly segment. Arsene, yes, fam or no, blood, after the Gunners 3-1 loss to Liverpool. Do that again, mate. And we pre- Do that again. That Arsene, amazing. yes, fam or no, blood, after you, you the Gunners... You may have seen Davo and Arsenal fan TV, yeah. blood. 
Yeah, yes, fair more no, blood. <laughs> After the Gunners 3-1 loss to Liverpool and we preview two of the most important US men's national team matches oh, in modern God. history. Do we have to? Yeah, we've got to preview them, Rog. Okay, to the football. Let's crack open the Guinness, Rog. There you go, Rog. Cheers. Oh, to Bruce Arena 2.0 and all new sail in her. We enter this international break between 27 and 29.38 through the Premier League season, depending on who you support, with every English team, bar Leicester City, knocked out of the Champions League. Oh, my God. Who could have predicted this, Rog? Champions League, Davo. Yes, Manchester City were dumped rudely out of the competition after an almost surreally meek self-sabotaging performance in Monaco. City were through at one point. They just had to defend for 19 whole minutes and their defence buckled within six. Mm. So the only Premier League team to make the last date is, yes, Craig Shakespeare's Leicester Bloody City. Post-mortems have begun in earnest in England. Is it our lack of winter break which keeps Spanish and German teams fresher? Blood. Our depth of competition in which there are no gimme games. Our players, are they ground down? To me, Davo, well, I mean, I have a feeling about what it means. I mean, it, to me, it means the Premier League is the best league in the world in terms of narrative and height and money spent, but tactically, not so much. How do you understand it all? Oh, it's tough to really know. Look, I think the Champions League is a little bit of a lottery. Remember, Chelsea won the Champions League when they, the year they finished sixth in the domestic league. They were not the best team in England, let alone the best team in Europe. I actually don't think it's... I don't think there's a huge difference between where the English teams are now versus where they were before. So I think certainly England's best team, uh, Chelsea, are not in the Champions League this season. It says something, but you could say it says something about the competition that England's worst team in the Champions League, Leicester City, have made it all the way into the quarterfinals of the competition. And that would have you doubt the quality of Champions League competition. It's just, it's a knockout competition past the group stages, Rog, I don't read too much into it. You know, the one meta theme of this season for me, David, that I've been thinking about, especially watching Manchester City, just that the quality of defending has been at an all-time low in the Premier League past couple of seasons. Chelsea, with their back three, it's not a coincidence, are running away with it, mm. proving that old MLB wisdom that pitching wins championships is true this year in the Premier League. And I look at how we play football. We don't control games in the Premier League. We don't have to close games out tactically organisationally, Chelsea uh, apart, we're obsessed with who is doing our football, the big-name coaches, the money-soaked transfer, less about what they're doing, but who cares? Who cares? Because it's such a fascinating spectacle, as City and Liverpool proved last weekend. Remember also that European games are refereed in a slightly different way. There's a, there's a different style. And I think the Premier League, which is becoming a very, very rough league, they allow a lot a lot more physicality, a lot more challenges. That's taken out in the European game a lot. And I think there is a little bit of a struggle for the, for the British teams who go and play in that competition. I think your defending point is great. I think what's happening, though, across the world in football is that the speed of attacking and midfield players, the speed of wing-backs, is making it very, very difficult to, to find the defenders who can be both physical and fast. You need to have both. And there's just a declining number of those players in the world. So interesting. I just spent the afternoon with Ledley King mm. taping a hit for our April 10th show on NBCSN. And we discussed the, the dying art of defending in depth. And that was one of his points exactly. OK. Uh, back to the Premier League, Rog. Man City won. Liverpool won a thrilling 
top four fixture featuring so many of our favourite things about Premier League football. Global stars, emoting managers and crap finishing. <laughs> Liverpool drew first blood courtesy of a 51st blood. minute James Milner penalty. You can't stop James Milner. You can only hope to contain him. But City hit back when Sergio Aguero steered home a sumptuous ball from Kev in the 69th minute. Each side whiffed on golden opportunities to scoop the points, including egregious misses from Adam Lalana and then Aguero falling over. I think Raz missed one at some point too. It ends, he always misses. That's safe to say on any on any Man City game that Raz probably missed a To this contract. It Stats. ends 1-1. One, one. City stay third, 12 points off Chelsea. Liverpool a point behind City in fourth. What a breathtaking game. It was a beautiful, well, maybe not beautiful. It was, it was a wonderfully energetic and entertaining game of football. Well, let's just say a breathtaking game of reckless imperfection mm. and chunk challenges played by two teams who both feel skill-blessed but deeply insecure attacking units and woefully, woefully flimsy backlines. City buckle first. James Milner, possibly the most English player of all time, would you say, David? Yeah, just follow uh, boring James Milner. That Twitter account is brilliant. But when he goes to the penalty spot, he transforms, David, like Clark Kent into Superman. He becomes incredibly German and clinical, and he finishes from that spot with the tender touch of a man who does his dating on Bumble. Yeah, side netting every time. Fantastic <sighs> finish. The amazing thing about City, though, you've got a front five of Leroy Sané, KDB, Raheem, the Golden Silver, and Aguero. Mm -hmm. It's hard to believe they can conjure less. It feels like Everything good about them is just sucked backwards by Yaya. Just sucks everything in around him with some yeah. kind of gravitational pull. Yeah, it's like a black hole, Roger. It's the gravitational pull of a black hole in the depths of the universe. It's like Ivorian John Terry. That same effect they used to have on like the England sides, just yeah. sucking them ever backwards, a whirlpool. Mm. The Canyero curse tweeted us to describe City best. You'll like this, Dave. It's up your alley. He said, Man City are like a Quidditch team full mm. of beaters with no seeker. Aguero's a pretty good seeker when Guardiola's going to actually play him. But it was amazing to me because the second Yaya trotted off, things just changed. De Bruyne whipped in a stunning ball and Aguero finished sharply. Oh, if ever a struggling world-class player needed a goal, here's poor old Kuhn. And then the game just became a total slugfest, like watching that YouTube video of Kimbo Slice fighting that Boston cop Sean Gannon in the underground bare-knuckle fight. Adam Lallana whiffing from Wando range at one end. Aguero, poor Aguero. Uh, those two adjectives do not go together. He did everything David. but stay on his feet, though. He, he meant to miscalibrate in the mm. six-yard area. And the game, when I watched it for a second time, I played the Benny Hill music in the background and it all made sudden sense. Yeah, especially every time Willie Cahill oh, was on the ball. He's <laughs> such a Benny Hill character. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, get a little pat on that bald yeah, head. Exactly. The real match highlight was the handshake between Pep and Jurgen Klopp. Mm. It was curiously over-enthusiastic. Yeah. Donald Trump, if you were watching, real men are not afraid to shake a German's hand. Mm. But it was almost as if both managers, Dave, they've suffered this season from knee-jerk reactions to slumps, inconsistency and the weight of expectations. It's like as if they're both fellow travellers who are all too familiar with each other's pain. And a very, very good result for those around them in the table. You know, this, this top six, Rog, top six, Everton are back in it, uh, Rog. It's going to be so competitive, so interesting to see. You could just feel... Four other teams around these two, so delighted that it ended in a draw. It did, and Liverpool, we should say, mentioning the top six table. If they could only play top six teams every single week, they would be running away with this league by 12 yeah. points themselves. Yeah, but also the league would have been over around the beginning of November. I mean, it, <laughs> it was a good game. It was a good game. But it was an amazing game in the head of one man, Pep Guardiola, mm. who continued his theatrics 
into the press room is City continue to be an enigma. Uh, Pep seems this season all too suddenly mortal. And then he went and told reporters that he, a man who has, he's won Champions Leagues. He smashed Real Madrid 5-0 in a Clasico. He's won trophy after trophy after trophy. But he told the British press that he would remember a 1-1 draw against Liverpool that left City 12 points behind the league leaders. He said it was, quote, one of the most special days of my life. How do you understand all of this thing? I don't know. I think he also admitted over the weekend for the first time that this has been a challenge coaching in England where he's been so defensive about that before. He has been asked the question 6,000 times and he just might just not want to hear the question anymore. But, you know, it's tough to know. I mean, look, Man City sneaked back up the table. We thought it was over for them a couple of months ago. They snuck back up. They got into second place. More zips. We need more zips on my coat and everything will be fine. That is a cry for help, though. Uh, look, his team are very good. Kuman said that this is the best team he played all season, Man City. Um, they are in many ways, and many times you watch them play football, and there's no one better than them. By the way, you could say the same about Tottenham. You could say the same about Liverpool. You could say the same even about Arsenal at certain points this season. Um, but somehow uh, it's got to a point where not losing that game against Liverpool that would have been awful for him became a very, very, very good day. And in his point of view, a career Most highlight. special day of his life. I think we should take him neither seriously nor literally on that comment. He's just a man digging in for a fight that's much more challenging, stubborn, frightening, and probably career-defining than he imagined when he arrived in Manchester. Are you surprised by what he's achieved in his much-fated inaugural season in English football? Are you surprised that this is the way it's gone, David? No, not at all. I think that uh, the Premier League is so hard for, uh, for new managers to go and understand what I'm surprised about, and I think what is probably difficult for him to fully comprehend, is how Antonio Conte down in London has taken a Chelsea side that had one of their worst seasons in the history of the Premier League and uh, has turned it around <sighs> this year and are now 12 points ahead of him. He's just an Italian Brian Schmetzer, yeah. Antonio Conte. Reports swirl that Pep is now poised to clear out the City squad up to 18, 18 players are about to feel his low-cut loafer up their backsides. The challenge is, Pep can shuffle the talent. Lord knows City are due for a talent redo with the Zabs and Sanyas and Navases that they have there. But there is, and has been for a while, woodworm in the foundations at City. You can change that, but Pep's footballing idea is philosophy. It needs players who've had it drilled into them from youth at the Barcelona Academy or the coaches who came before him at Bayern to teach his complex positional swapping in which centre-backs pushed out to the wing or full-backs come inside and strikers drag back. It needs elite players to unlearn all they've learned and learn to almost walk again. Mm. So Pep will do a gut rebuild. What I wonder is, and we're going to have to wait a season to find out, Pep has the biggest challenge of his managing career. Does he have the heart? Does he have the energy? Does he have the desire to see it through? We'll have to wait another six, seven, eight months to find out. West Brom 3, Arsenal 1, oh, Roach. The ever-predictable Craig fans. Dawson double sinks Arsenal <laughs> at the Hawthorns. Arsene Wenger's men have now lost four out of five Premier League games for the first time since April 1995, <sighs> Rog. They're in sixth place, 19 points off their uh, West London rivals, Chelsea. <sighs> Arsenal conceded inside 12 minutes against West Brom off a set piece against Tony Poulis. Poulis... Gonna pull this. It was all so predictable. 
Arsene didn't even double over in pain on the sideline like he normally does. He just kind of looked on in doom like a geriatric white owl. He had the same reaction moments later when a little plane pulling a no-contract Wenger out sign chugged over the Hawthorns, paid for by a fan faction. And this being a deeply bipolar Arsenal, the plane was soon joined by a second plane with a In Wenger We Trust banner paid for, I don't know who by, but I'm guessing by Mrs. Wenger, who must be terrified at the prospect of Arsene suddenly grumpily hanging out in the house all day, shouting at the television and taking out the recycling as the highlight of his day, Dave. Well, I, I've never seen such a thing. It's so arsenal-y. Well, look, I've never seen... There haven't been Two that many planes. small planes over <laughs> England since 1941, Rog. Oh, it was a... Uh, the Battle of Britain yeah. relived. It would have been amazing if a German plane had come and shot them down. That would have been amazing. Say, it would have been, to have the two light planes with dueling messages, each message possibly sadder than each other, if that yeah. is possible. And, and the game then went on with the droning sound of light aircraft just flying overhead. Yeah. Wenger out, Arsene retries at half-time, Dave. They should have had like a dogfight World War One style, like little Sopwith camels with their 7.7mm Vickers machine guns blaring. Yeah. That would have been oh, that would have been amazing. Yeah. At Mark Cabrera tweeted us and said, yep, they should have had a dogfight, but only one of the planes would have spent the money on the weapons needed to complete a successful attack, though. It wouldn't have been a fair fight. Why have we not marketed men in blazers this way? By flying <laughs> dueling planes... <laughs> over West Brom, the one that would say, uh, watch Men in Blazers, blah, blah, blah. the other would be like, don't watch the crap show Men in Blazers. We should have done this. That, one would, that one would have been paid for by Ranch and Davo. I would have paid for it. Oh, would have been fine. No God. problem. Arsenal were terrible in this game. Their performance, it reminded me of... Do you remember... Did you Ron- call them Arsene, not Arsenal? I think it's all the, it's one and the same. What is the difference yeah, anymore? No difference. There is no difference. That performance, it reminded me, Ron Atkinson, do you remember him? The legendary, oh, yeah, big Ron. The legendary 80s manager and uh, bigot who yeah. once said about his team, he said it was a game of two halves and we were crapping both of them. That's what Arsenal were in this one. Four losses in five now. Worst run for Arsenal since 1995. It's not just the losses, it's the nature of them, David. Demoralised players, no fight, no system, young prospects floundering, big money stars adrift, Theo... Just Theo. Theo. There's no one that tri- triumphant. Theo. And Thierry Henry, Dave, mm. on English television, he said the loss was all about attitude. If it was any other manager, Dave, wasn't it the kind of performance that would be normally followed by a board vote of confidence and then the dreaded sack? But he's not any kind of manager. Um, he is uh, Arsene. He is still um, a very polarizing figure one would have to say, at Arsenal these days. But there's still lots of people who are in the in Arsene We Trust camp. They think he stands for the kind of football that they want to go and see Arsenal play. As we've discussed before, Arsenal live in a universe of not 19 other Premier League clubs. They live in a universe of just Arsenal. It's the only team they're competing against is, is their vision of themselves. <sighs> and I think they're terrified to see Arsene fail and to get rid of him is an, is an admission of failure of something that they find quite beautiful. So it's very difficult. He... He sounds like a man in his press conferences now who is going upstairs. I don't think he's leaving the club. He sounds do, like do a do man. Do you mean by upstairs where, the, where our long, uh, like little dogs go? No, 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 no. I mean upstairs. You don't mean upstairs as in down the I toilet. I think he becomes the sort of GM, essentially, of the team. He becomes the, the fluffer. Sort of, yeah, well, not the fluffer. He just becomes the sort of chief creative officer, and there will be a manager sort of under him who he will hire who will be under his spell 
uh, to go and, and run the team. That's what it sounds like to me. I, could so be I mean, we wrong. should decode this because after a performance in which Arsenal's spine and heart were missing even worse than Richard Simmons, in the wake of this, just the obsessive pursuit of will Arsen sign his new contract, it just ramped up to 11. I'm honestly tired of talking about this story, Dabo. I really am. He Arsen said he knows his future, quote, and will announce it soon, he said, kind of cryptically, almost gnomically. Uh, I mean, I do. I'm starting to believe evidence of wiretapping and widespread voter fraud is going to come out sooner than we're going to get to the end of this Arsene uh, bullcrap. The decision does seem to be his and his alone. Arsenal's board trot out the most English name man of all time, Sir Chips Keswick. <laughs> and he keeps saying the decision will be, quote, mutual and communicated at the right time in the right way. Mm. Journalists close to Wenger suggest he's staying on. Olivier Giroud says the players would love him to stay on. Can you make a case, David? I mean, I, I understand a man who wants to go out on his own terms, not with a 19-point gap between him and Chelsea. I understand that a man who doesn't want to announce he's leaving after a gutting loss to Poulis in which West Brom fans scream ole with every second-half pass. But after four losses in five and the only teams they've beaten in that run are fifth tier, Davo, can you, can you make a rational case for Arsenal to stay, a rational one? In the universe of Arsenal understanding that to many Arsenal fans, all that they care about is the way that Arsenal play football and they're not focused on anything else. Look, Arsene's post-match you know, conference, he wasn't happy with the way that the team played, but at the same time he said, this is just the reality of modern football. This is the way that teams play. They set up defensively, they put men behind the ball and you know, they score goals from set pieces. He does not want to live in that world of playing that kind of modern football, even though that's the kind of world that beats him and is preventing his team from winning the Premier League or even competing for it very seriously year after year after year after year. It's the same style of football that's getting him eliminated from the <laughs> Champions League. But in for many Arsenal fans, this is not the most important thing. It's about the way that Arsene has that team play football and they would like to win playing that kind of football under Arsene more than any other possible system. Question I'd ask myself if I was on the Arsenal board and actually cared about challenging for the league as opposed to the economic comfort of a top four finish Champions League out in the round of 16. I'd ask, despite the long Arsenal to-do list, which now seems self-evident, is anything really going to be different next season if Arsenal stays on? And for me, not on the field, not on the field, but the only difference if he does stay on, there's going to be civil war amongst the fans in the terraces. But we're talking about rational questions. I think your point over and over again is, Arsenal world is not it's rational. It's not rational. It's, it's not a rational club. It's a, an emotional stratosphere. And the only rational explanation as to why this ridiculousness has gone on for so long to me is that Stan Kroenke has brought up every sign and banner shop in North London and is making a fortune from the protests. The other thing I'd say is it was, all, it was, it was okay when Mourinho was winning at Chelsea. The idea of winning but playing the way that Mourinho played football it was okay for Arsenal fans. They didn't want to go and play football like that. But I think the fact that you've got these young managers now, Pochettino, that you've got Conte, that you've got Klopp, playing this, and even what Guardiola, I think, is hoping to promise up and at Koeman. Manchester City, and Kuman, of course, is that you've Big, got... Biggest Everton, head of all. Yes. Biggest head is in that, football. Is that you've got other teams starting to play much more attractive football. Maybe not at arsenal level in terms of the way they see their team playing, but playing much more attractive football and starting to succeed and having a little bit of that grit in there as well. I think that might challenge Arsenal world 
uh, a lot more. Rumours of Thomas Tuchel of Dortmund waiting in the wings linger. Tactically astute micromanager who for all his reputation as a young savant has not really turned Dortmund into a true title challenger in the Bundesliga. I actually think we should tape an Arsenal Leaves Arsenal pod special today and just hold it like the New York Times has pre-written obituaries because uh. the short of it is, if you're near an Arsenal fan as you're listening to this right now, just give them a hug and hold them tight. Give them a cuddle. Unless it's you, Piers Morgan, in which case you can point and laugh. Stoke City 1, Chelsea 2. Gary Cahill atoned for giving away a penalty by thrashing home a close-range finish uh, into the opponent's net, Rog, three minutes from time, <laughs> prompting Antonio Conte to bust out a set of impromptu pull-ups on the dugout roof. Chelsea's insistence uh, to keep swiping right, even when they already have a sure thing, keeps them 10 points clear. Fascinating game to come off the Chelsea-United FA Cup matchup, which we need to talk about. To me, the two games are bookends which illustrate why this Antonio Conte team are just running away with the title. In the FA Cup clash against Manchester United, the battle of the two men who wish they were alpha dogs, only one of them really is, though, and it's the Italian Mourinho. He set out to trash Chelsea, to intimidate them, to just bully them physically. Chelsea just let the punches brush off them as if they were play slaps. You marvel, Davey, yeah. at how Conte mentally prepared his team for a beating. Mourinho was going to come in and he was going to take on Chelsea through their talisman, through their most skillful player, through Eden Hazard. Gonna like, we're going to foul him, we're going to kick the crap out of him. And by the way, referees have sort of allowed this to happen all season. They allow Eden Hazard to get kicked all over the field. Yeah, they've allowed Eden Hazard to play the game by Diego Costa rules. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so uh, they fouled him again and again and again. Conte, I think, accepted. He didn't say, oh, let's let's prevent, let's... Hazard actually dropped deep more than he normally does to go and receive the ball and seemed to accept that he was going to get killed. That was the game plan on the other side. Brilliant, brilliant <sighs> tactical master plan that worked to great effect. And in the Premier League, I mean, any slight foul, that's the rule. As a player, you maximise the impact. Conte and Hazard do the exact opposite. I mean, Hazard got battered. And every time he did, he jumped off the turf like a boxer not wanting to lie on the canvas. He was almost as if he was saying, that was your best shot, Manchester United. Keep I didn't, it coming. I didn't feel a thing. And that is, to me, the Conte way. Mourinho has battered better teams into submission in the past over and over again. Here, United were reduced to mere sparring partners for an elite heavyweight boxer. Final proof, if we still needed it, that a season which was meant to be all about Pep and Mourinho is actually all about Conte. And in this Stoke game, we saw another of his truisms because this was a game which was heading towards the final whistle. 1-1, Davo. Fine yep. result at the Britannia. Yeah. But Conte's Chelsea, this is a cliche, refuse to lose. I mean, it's an old adage, but for Conte, it's a code to live by. The will to fight, to rage, it just never wavers. Chelsea, they're like the Connecticut women's basketball team of the Premier League. And they've got a, such a good plan B. Sesk comes on, who seems so happy playing in that sixth man role. Um, comes on, it was from his corner. You know, David Luiz <sighs> just makes that first header, gets there first, has desire. Ball falls to Gary Cahill. He's become the some, Punisher. He's become a strafender, Rog, often into his own net, but he does score a lot. And uh, he puts it away. Actually, a great finish. 87th minute, triggering a wild sideline outburst of pent-up Conte ecstasy. Yeah. The Italian just swung off the roof of the dugout. Yes, he did. Tarzan of the jungle style. I can't say... Conte in a loincloth, it would be less bonkers than watching him do that in a three-piece suit. Interesting. I admire that man. My wife asked me, does that man, Antonio Conte, ever get tired of doing that, quote, 
fist pump above his head thing that he does. I've never felt sorrier for my wife than when she asked that question. <laughs> I realized because she's married to me, David, mm. she doesn't know men who are really successful. She doesn't know how they act, yeah. how they feel, how they experience life. Yeah. Sorry, love. There's been something written that when you, uh, I was told this the other day in one of my training sessions with the Ninja, that when you raise your arms above your head, it does something to your brain. It makes you feel like you're a winner and you remember that feeling again and again and again. Is that why we do it? Yeah, It's apparently. primal. Yeah, it's primal. No wonder my posture is so terrible <laughs> and I'm completely slumped in the opposite direction. Yeah. The highlight of the game, from an American perspective, the ongoing dirty war between Diego Costa and New England's finest, Jeff, the Boston Beast, Cameron. Mm. If they had a real cage match, those two, yeah. Diego and Jeffrey Cameron, yeah. who wins? How does it go down? And how many homemade shivs does it involve? Oh, that's all about the old church and the new church, Rog. That fun. It's all about this. Basically, the Reformation being uh, being being played out <laughs> on a football field. Well, it wouldn't be on a foot. I'd, I'd definitely hold this fight in a pool hall. Mm. It'd be the best American fight since Rocky took on Ivan Drago. And Nick Vincent called it. Mm -hmm. He said, definitely shivs. Costa stabbed him one leg. And then he's grabbing his face in pain as if he's been clawed there. I mean, actually, it's, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's amazing you mentioned that because I was thinking the other day that if Vinnie Jones can make it in Hollywood, former Wimbledon hard man, Diego Costa, he could have so many movie roles as a hard man. I think you're so going good. Jeff Cameron. Yeah, Oscar. that'd be excellent. Oscar uh, for Jeffrey. Yeah, he could probably do it too. <sighs> but Diego, he could be in more movies playing that, you know, could be in a lot of sort of cartel-like movies. He'd do very, very well. I imagine him being in like a big Judge Reinhold vehicle. It'd be <laughs> hilarious. It'd be so good. So good. Uh, okay, Middlesbrough 1, Man United 3. Jose Mourinho's men survived some tense moments at the Riverside against Borough's caretaker manager with a cue ball head, Steve Agnew. Hail, fellow bald, who replaced recently departed Itor Karanka. United move out of sixth place for the first time since November 6th. Their fifth, Rog. Four points off Liverpool, but with two games in hand. What is this world twisted, Dave? Less than 72 hours after their Europa Cup glory against Rostov. Manchester United back in action against season-long Viagra need in Middlesbrough. Under, yeah, caretaker manager Steve Agnew, who I've got to say, he looks to me a little bit as if you and Bob Bradley spawned a bastard love child. Yeah, possible. A beautiful idea I've long thought about. Long thought about that, Dave. And it's now clearly been made real on the northeast coast of England. Huh. Very happy for you and Bob Davy. Steve Agnew is gorgeous. He is gorgeous, Rog. Oh, he's Agnew actually oversaw a miracle mm. in that Borough scored their first Premier League goal in eight hours, 30 minutes of chugging away. Huh. And with a score at 2-1, United against Justed and Negredo, twin battering rams, poor man's David Robinson and Tim Duncan. Borough were just knocking on United's door. And then there was a horror routine back pass to Victor Valdez, the former Barca keeper. Oh, slipped and floundered. He Victor Valdez. He Stevie G, didn't he, Davey? Yeah, he did. And allowed Valencia to score deep into injury time. Football, such a cruel mistress. But who amongst us has not had a moment in life like Victor Valdez? Yeah. And Mourinho, after watching his team struggle, after watching his team almost buckle, as any team that plays Chris Smalling in the heart of their defence would do, Mourinho against embattled Middlesbrough, scraping that lucky goal. He reeled away, punched the air as if the goal was a tactical masterpiece and then charged straight down the tunnel while the game was still on. Just an unnecessary <laughs> mic drop. 
a mic drop of relief rather than potency, and a man who maniacally celebrated jumping out of sixth place for the first time in 134 days. Take that, haters. Yeah, absolutely. Tottenham 2, Southampton 1, a gritty performance for Harry Kane-less Spurs. Middle farts finest Christian <laughs> Eriksen started the scoring in the 14th minute, skipping a long-range effort past Fraser Foster. Mauricio Pochettino's men added a second less than 20 minutes later, with Delhi converting from the spot after he was fouled by Stephen Davis. James Ward-Prowse, JWP, pulled one back for the Saints, but Spurs hung on and stay 10 points behind Chelsea in second place. Interesting tactically. Yep. Pochettino had to go caneless. Cane, as I now like to call him. The Cockney rhyme slang for Mane. Uh-huh. And he favoured Son, the handshake master, over emasculated Vincent Janssen. Sharp finishes from the internally underrated Water Elf Eriksson and Delhi. Delhi, who scored his 10th goal in his last 12, made the difference. We had club legend Ledley King come into the panic room, as I said. Spurs fans, you will want to hear what he had to say about this Pochettino revolution. And also about Cameron Carter Vickers, the greatest American athlete ever born in Southend-on-Sea. Not to be missed, April 10th. Uh, West Ham 2, Leicester 3. This is a good game of football, Rog. Craig Shakespeare makes it four wins in four games since taking over for Claudio Ranieri. This is the Fox's first league away win this season. Crystal Palace 1, Watford 0. Come on, you Eagles. Big Sam loosens his size 25 <laughs> collar as Palace win their third on the spin. They did so without a shot on goal. Troy Deeney's own goal was the Just difference. Just how Big Sam drew it up on the chalkboard. Bournemouth 2, Swansea nil. Eddie Howe bests Paul Clement in a rare battle of English managers. Swansea still three clear of the top. Sunderland nil. Burnley nil. Woof. Yep, Sunderland the only club in the bottom six not to have changed their moise. That's mm. worked out well. Everton 4. Oh, Hull City nil. I relinquish the floor to you. Ocherlio. Oh, to be an Everton fan is like being Tessa the D'Urbervilles, a human for whom happiness is but a fleeting emotion in a life of overall challenge. On Saturday, I was exultant, Davo, when 23-year-old Ross Barkley sprang free 18-year-old Tom Davis, uh -huh. who crossed and set up 20-year-old Dominic Calvert-Lewin to open the scoring. Yeah. I just sensed the golden vision Shot of the window. future. For about, yes, yeah. for about 10 seconds. And then, dear GFOPs, thank you for your tweets that you poured in in that moment, including this one from at Jeff Perrot. Yep, all three of those players will be amazing when they line up for Spurs next season. Cruel, harsh, yet possibly true. At the end of a week in which Romelu Lukaku netted twice late to become the Premier League's top scorer, first since Gary Lineker in an Everton shirt to record 20 goals in a league campaign. He did that in 1986, Lineker. But this was only after pulling out of contract negotiations and saying Everton as a football club has a great history, but the future has to be written. You get me? Because we always talk about the teams of the 80s and 70s. You look as if it was great, but we as players want the fans talking about us instead of talking about them. Oh, Dave, I'm all, I'm all, I just, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm, You're flustered. You I'm, don't know how to feel about like it. You're so down. excited. You're, you, I must say, you seem to be more excited about this Everton team than you have been in the 11 years I've known you. It's because we've got a manager who's got the biggest head in world football. And also you've got, all these young, you've got all these young players. Not since Hibbo was a teen have you been as excited about this team. You seem very excited about the team, certainly. And yet, and yet, this is tinged, as always with you, 
with some sort of darkness because you feel it's all going to end. And the Romelu stuff seems to hurt a little, Rod. It hurts. Mostly because his agent had said that Romelu was 99.99% certain to stay. Yeah, well, he left some wiggle room. But I've got to say, when he said that, they did leave some wiggle room. When he said it, I honestly found it odd. Yeah, we've got a new owner. Yes, we've got cash suddenly. Yes, we've got ambition. We've got hope again, Davey. We've got, as of today, land for a new stadium. Mm. But the pace of our overhaul and the prime of Lukaku, to me, they, they just have never seemed to be overlapping. And I realised this when I watched him score two weeks ago against West Brom. I wrote in my game notes that I didn't dare read out in public. Quote, that the thrill of watching Romelu find the back of the net in an Everton jersey is one we should never take for granted nor believe is infinite. And to me, what Romelu has said is rational. That as a player, you won't be remembered as well. No matter where you play, you won't be remembered. You cannot only be remembered by scoring goals. You won't be remembered by winning trophies. He's been an Everton proper player for three seasons, and he's had two 11th place finishes, and then this season, Everton will become great again. They will. I believe it. Both Everton diehards and Romelu crave trophies, but if I'm being honest with you, and I'm only saying this to you, and I'm not allowing, yeah, not di- I'm not allowing J-Dubs else. to pop this out on the pod, yeah. they are going to be in different time frame. Okay, Rom may want out of Everton, Rods, but he's not leaving my Togger team. A big week for those who played the big Belgian, including this week's winner, Omex Group. The corporates are in, Rog. A patch is on the way. I came 10,337th in our own Togger League this week. Well done, Rog. If I tried to pick a worse team intentionally... Yeah, we should try that next year. By the time most of you are listening to this, we will likely be just hours away from an absolutely vital World oh Cup tie God. for the Turtlehead. USA. Turtlehead. After dropping their first two games of the Hex back in November, Bruce Arena's team face Honduras Friday in San Jose and Panama Tuesday in Panama City. All of this made it even more dire by the fact that you interviewed Bruce Arena last week, <laughs> Roger. How could you? Oh, and so we approach the biggest pair of games in modern American football history. It's not hyperbolic. I wish it was hyperbolic. And we do it worse. We do it without a safety net. But we do do it with old Bruce back at the controls. He's Arena 2.0. And late Friday night, the theory that Bruce won it back then and so he can win now, it's going to be put to the test. It could be glorious. He could be the wizened hermit who lives on top of the mountain, who is the only man who knows the kind of jerry-rigged ways of CONCACAF, the treacherous whirlpool where the rocks are hidden, how to get us across Mm. into the promised land. Let's go over the bridge that the troll doesn't live under. (laughs) We could also be, though, Yeah. And bear me out. He could be American Louis van Gaal, (laughs) a man who had mad skills, but then was outrun Leave by your time. Clipboard. Leave your clipboard at home, Bruce. <laughs> Which will it be, David? I don't know. It feels like a little bit like a what, comeback album, a comeback tour. Yep. Um, you know, players you speak to who played under him, he's not a tactical, you know, master plan kind of guy. He's, he's not a gonna, man motivator. He's, yeah, he's a man motivator, which means that he doesn't do a lot, but builds a simple system, lets the players interpret it. And maybe that's just what American players need. They need a bit more freedom. <sighs> Americans and their freedom. Yeah, Those two it. things, they, they love do freedom. tend to lead to glory. Yeah. I'll say injuries haven't been kind to Bruce. Mm. DeAndre Yedlin injured before the roster was announced over yeah, the it's weekend. Yeah, hurt the throw-ins. Bobby Wood was yeah. knocked out with a back injury. Not good, Bobby! Fabian Johnson out with a pull thigh muscle. 
And last week when we hung out in Los Angeles for a pod special that still makes great listening, Bruce told us that he had already chosen his starting 11. He'll now have to adjust how is going to be fascinating. I actually think, Davo, that the fact that two of our brightest talents in Fabian and Bobby Wood are out, it might not be darkness because I've got a gut feeling that the Bruce Arena effect works more with MLS-based Warriors than our kind of foreign uh, players in exile. The big question is who's going to replace Bobby Wood. Bruce talked to us about Clint Dempsey being, quote, a luxury for the last 15 minutes. Will Clint now, with injuries, become the necessity that Clint sees himself as always being right from the kickoff? Or do you go with a still-recovering-from-ankle-knock Stanford Messi, Jordan Morris, and Christian Pulisic, whose star continues to rise in Europe after some standout Bundesliga and Champions League performances? He's still just 18, David. What were you doing when you were 18? Uh, not that. I was hanging out watching football on television, spending a lot of time with my mags. <laughs> but does Bruce now crown him as our king, or is it too early? Will Pulisic in CONCACAF be a bit like King Tommen in Westeros? I had a dream on Wednesday night, David. Yeah. Bruce went traditional 4 4 2, mm. pumped balls up towards Josie to chase, essentially took Pulisic out of the game. It was all very basic, it was all very old school, it was all too easy for the Hondurans to deal with and soak up. I woke up in a cold sweat worse than when I have some of my must-escape Europe in 1937 dreams. But one thing that's clear from spending time with Bruce, he's a man on a mission who feels that all that he and his band of brothers like Bob Bradley built in US soccer has been destabilised and endangered and he's charging back into action to protect it. And I, I, I admire that deeply and I, you, know, you want to wish him well. You know, look, everybody wants the young players to come in and do well. Everybody wants to see that transition. But... Clint Dempsey has scored more international goals for the US than anyone except for Landon Donovan. While Clint Dempsey is still available and desirous of playing, I can't think of anyone who I want on the field in a US men's qualifier under these kind of conditions more than that competitor, than that finisher. And uh, I really hope that Clint finds his way into the team. That will make me feel much better if I see him so in the starting lineup. When I think about this game, Davo. And I make predictions. I think a ton of snow is going to fall ahead of kickoff in San Jose. <laughs> and a Clint Dempsey goal is going to nick it 1-0. And just, Bruce, I know you're listening. I think about you coming back, a wizened old knight, putting on the armour in producer JW's words one more time. And I think of the Game of Thrones character, Barristan Selmy, and his words to his men before battle. And this is what I hope you say, Bruce, in the locker room before kickoff against Honduras. I am an old man, an old knight, and I have seen more battles than most of you have years. Nothing is more terrible upon this earth, nothing more glorious, nothing more absurd. You may wretch, you may foul your breeches. I did in my first battle. <laughs> no one will care. All battlefields smell of <laughs> You may cry out for your mother, pray to gods you thought you had forgotten, howl obscenities that you never dreamed could pass your lips. All this has happened too. You may drop your sword, your shield, your lance, pick it up and go on fighting. <sighs> what wall is Jeff Cameron not going to run through? No, you're very right. After hearing that, David. One more positive American note. The English women's season kicked off last weekend and Carly, Carly Lloyd made a Manchester City women's debut in a 1-0 win over Reading. Crystal Dunn needed just 12 minutes to get on the score sheet over mighty Doncaster. And hey-oh, 
Hey, Heather O'Reilly played the whole game as Arsenal ladies faced Spurs and won 10 0. Huh. I see a female St. Totteringham's Day at the very least. Uh, the USA versus Honduras game kicks off your international break weekend. Looks like this Bruce Arena's mob versus Jorge Luis Pinto and co at 10 30 p.m. On, Eastern Bruce. time Friday night on Fox Sports 1. Why is it on so late? Sunday, England resumes its World Cup qualifying campaign against Lithuania at noon Eastern time on Fox Sports 2. Standard death. And on BN Sports Tuesday, it's technically not the weekend, but on Ray Hudson's <laughs> network, every day is a Saturday. Saturdays are for the boys. <laughs> USA travel to Panama for a 10 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. There are many ways to connect to us. One is through our Amazon Emporium, which helps keep the show going. Anytime you go on Amazon, frightens big or small, just click off the Emporium page. Men in Blazers gets a tiny percentage that allows us to cover the cost of creating the show. What are you putting in the Emporium this week, Rog? A book! Uh-huh. The Spaceman of Bohemia yep. by Yaroslav Kalfa. Oh. A brilliant debut novel, which actually picked up in Seattle, written by a young American-based Czech-born novelist. It's about the Czech Republic's first man in space... He spat out in the year 2018 and a rocket which blasts off from a launch pad on a potato field. The flight is clearly doomed from the very beginning, but he wants to make his country proud. He wants to restore his family name, which had been sullied by the sins of his father, a one-time communist informer. Even while he battles to save his disintegrating marriage and his disintegrating spaceship, alone, trapped in space, the novel plummets forward, propelled by the writer's humour, and depth and breadth of meaning, which he pours into one crisply written, emotionally taught scene after another. He covers all the important topics, life, death, the role of memory in history, love, and the fate of Nutella in outer space. This huh. is the most entertaining novel I've read so far this year. Okay, Rog, sounds interesting. Uh, golf season approaching, going down pre-season training with uh, the Jage, my daughter, down to Kiwa Island, South Her Carolina next amazing. week. It's a good swing. Um, she has introduced me to a new golf ball. I still cool. love the Titleist, love the Pro V1, still play with that, with Davo. Although I might have Dabo put on my Pro V1s this Pesco. year. Maybe Pesco. Uh, it's probably, I don't know if Pesco likes golf. He's more of a wet bob. Um, <laughs> but uh, JJ's introduced me to the Volick Vivid golf balls. She loves them. They're very brightly colored, coming red and yellow and blue and pink and green, all sorts of colors. And unlike the old colored golf balls, I was talking to JW earlier, he liked the old Bridgestones that he used to play with. I didn't like them. These are more of a matte finish. They're a really cool golf ball. And I just like the way they feel on the club. And weirdly, you know, I'm a blue person, but I play with a red Volick Vivid. It's I play crazy. with a red golf ball. I like the way it looks. I like the way it feels. Um, Volick Vivid, I think you can get two dozen in assorted colors for fifty nine ninety seven. I mean, you'll lose them uh, pretty quickly, but I'd go and do that. You know, talking about golf season, I spent... Uh, a couple of days with a caddy from Trump National last uh, well, week. The one up in uh, Westchester. Yeah, he told me, first rule of Donald Trump on the golf course, you never lose Donald Trump's ball. Oh, no, no, no. That is, everybody knows that. Number one, you never lose it because it's never in the rough. Yeah. It's always on the fairway. He said, when you go out, you take about a dozen or probably more of the ball he's using and it always yeah. has a what? Yeah. Always a perfect line. Perfect line, amazing lines. He doesn't hit lucky. the rough, he hits the first cut, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Maybe on occasion. Yeah, occasionally. He quite likes it. I kind of like hitting the first cut. <laughs> I like hitting the ball out of the first cut more than a tight line on the fairway, in truth. Okay, Rog, visit meninblazers.com to sign up for our newsletter, which we produce with our it's partner, amazing. Guinness. We've got a new issue going sign out up. next Friday, in which we'll interview GFOP and legendary Scottish scribe Irvin Welsh, My favourite. About Train West Ham. Two is quite His something. beloved Hibernian 
and T2 train spotting. Subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Men in Blazers, at Embassy Davis, at Roger Bennett, on Instagram at Men in Blazers, at Embassy underscore Davis, uh, on Facebook on Men in Blazers. You can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com and you can always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. Vendorpunk Rog. War pig. Who wants to sex Matumbo? Explosion. N-Q-O-K-D. Take that, Gloria! Is that your analysis? To tweet. Abrogado, rock on, mate. Kung Fu Fine America. Love you, Davo. Love you, Rog. Yes, fam. Or no blood. Do you love pesco too? <laughs> 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 <laughs>